Hello everybody, I am Juwan Arrington with the 100 Series Everyday Awesome Podcast. Welcome back for another exciting episode here. I'm super excited to, to share today's guest, a good friend of mine, good co-worker of mine, Toria Wilson. How are you? I'm good, how are you? Ah, I'm doing great, doing great here. It's a nice Sunday, first day of February in 2020. My goodness, we're already one month in this bad boy. It doesn't feel like it. January went on forever. It's very frustrating that it did. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know why for me though. It feels like it's it kind of. I don't know why time always feels like it breezes by for me. Oh. Like everything always feels like it just happens so fast, and it's like where did where did my my month go? January like did not for me. It was molasses. It was so mm-hmm. slow. But then of course if I look at like the full time, like mm-hmm. 2019 went way too fast. Like I was like, oh, it's January. Oh, it's July. Oh, it's December. Like no, <laughs> no, that's not good. Right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> where did the time go because i mean been just so busy right working and with the podcast so it's just oh time slips away too quickly yeah that's super cool too yeah because you're working on your own thing which is why i'm bringing you on here we're, we're gonna talk it's gonna be crime time here on time. On, on, on the honor series and actually that's kind of like been like a like a big thing with like a lot of my friends it's like they're like so fascinated with with crime podcasts and yeah. and all the crime like documentaries on netflix i know that they're in hernandez mm-hmm. that just that just came out as recently on netflix people are talking about that it was so good it was so well pieced together it wasn't even just like the content itself for that documentary it was everything that was shot and everything that like the the audio that they got in jail it was like wait what is he saying? It, it blew my mind. That was a great documentary. I blasted through that in like a day. Right. So I'm I'm one of right. the like not only am I a host, but I'm a massive fan. So right. How long was that that documentary there? Because I haven't I haven't checked it out yet. It's only like three episodes, and they're only like an hour long. So it was okay. Easy, easy breeze to go through, and when you're that entranced by everything being said, you you don't turn away. You don't move. <laughs> Right. So, yeah. So let's talk about for all all the uninitiated out there. Who is Toria Wilson? Oh, God. Well, I'm a wife and I'm a dog mom and a cat mom. Uh, But for me, I mean, I'm a broadcaster first and foremost. And I I think that for me, it's that's been a calling in some sense of the word over the last 10 years. And I, I dye my hair and I get piercings and tattoos and I'm just as weird as... (laughs) A lot right. of people around the Quad Cities. I so. actually just got another tattoo, actually. I saw that. Yeah. Oh, Chewy is the best. I'm so I jealous love, of you. I love Chelsea Soto. She's, like, fantastic. And, like, I like, like, super sensitive skin. So if I don't find the right artist, like, mm-hmm. my skin's going to scar. Yeah. And, and like, with Chelsea Soto, she's fantastic. Like, she has, like, like the right the right yep. touch. Yep. And, like, so, like, she's, like, my, my main main now as far as getting tattoos. Yeah, I've had a couple of tattoo artists, but uh, mine is Dan Moreno. And Dan, I mean, he's just brilliant i think that some of the work that he's done on me is just out of this world i don't want to go to anybody else but one of these days i know he'll retire and i'm like oh don't do that right (laughs) but for me i mean crime and and is just synonymous to my life i think that i i know what it's like to be a family member of a victim and so i resonate a lot with people um, who've gone through these this type of trauma it's while it's very widespread we see it all the time in the news of you know, shootings and and all this such. I think that it's it's while it's widely known, not a lot of people talk about it. I mean, yeah, there's crime documentaries and stuff, but it's very hard to speak to that. It's very hard to speak to what 
has happened in your life. And so for me, while yes, I am obsessed with crime, I'm also obsessed with the psychological side to things because of my mother. And I'm also um, a huge victim's advocate. And that's why I definitely put my podcast on in the first place. It wasn't just because I knew that it was going to be a popular thing. Like, yes, it's very popular. But um, no, I think that my my big push to start it in the first place was these stories you probably never heard about. You probably don't know these people's names. You don't know what actually happened. You know, because obviously, you know, in broadcasting, it's a it's a 20 second, 25 second script or a minute 35 package. Like you don't have a whole lot of time to dive into what happened. And especially if crimes are older than the 90s right now. You know, we don't we don't look past what's in front of us. And so because of that, I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, let's look back at the last 40, 50 years in the Quad Cities and beyond and say, what happened to these people? What happened to um, these communities? Because it's not just one person that was impacted. So it definitely is something that touches home for me. That's why I do this. So. Cool. So in your, in your podcast, is called Missing and Murdered in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. It's available right now on on. Apple, yep. Spotify, yep. anywhere else? Um, I know that we do it on Art19. I know some people don't use it that much, but then um, obviously WQAD.com. We have our own little tab for podcasts so people can listen there as well. Cool. And uh, what have been, I mean, of course you talked about the, the top guy obviously is crime, but what are like some of the cases that you've, you've touched on a little bit? Yeah, so um, one of the first episodes I did was about Trudy Appleby. Um, she was very young, 11 years old, when she disappeared. And she's never been seen ever since, and that was in the 90s. And we, while we've talked about her mis- her disappearance for a long, long time, I mean, we've, ne- we've never really touched on the full scope of all the searches and trying to confront the people who know something. Uh, when they finally released the potential person who abducted her's name, like, it kind of just went to the wayside. And for me, you know, there's a family here that knows what happened. And there's a family here that's still impacted by this. And so that was one of my first episodes. And we're still waiting right now on the results for um, the boat that was found in that case. Right, they, yeah. They say that she was brought onto a boat potentially and never seen again. Um, and so. They found that a few years ago. We're still waiting for the results for the FBI on that one. So that's kind of why I wanted to touch on that case. And uh, Detective Michael Griffin from Olean Police, man, he knows that case backwards and forwards. So not only does my my podcast touch on the crime itself, but then I have a side thing called Crime Chat. And so it's police, lawyers, family, friends, whoever wants to talk to me about these cases, like they can come forward. We can go into not only the case itself, but then we can go into that emotional side to things. So Griff and I, we had just the greatest conversation about how he you know, is still in touch with the family and they're still talking to one another and that hasn't died. And I met the Appleby family myself um, during her vigil last fall. And I mean, they're just the nicest people who are just greatly suffering and I, and I feel that. Um, Adrian Reynolds was another case that I touched on. Uh, that was a huge case in the yeah. East Moline area. Yeah, my friend, like, uh, a friend of mine like used to work with her. Really? Yeah. No yeah. way. 
Yeah. Every time I hear somebody who knew Adrian Reynolds or I, my ex's aunt used to work at the Taco Bell where they had pulled yeah. up. So, I mean, it was like, oh, wow, okay. Um, but that case, I mean, that was huge in 05. And I remember while I didn't know the case like as well as I do now, I remember, I mean, I was an emo kid back in 05 and, you know, Adrian Reynolds and Sarah Kolb and Corey Gregory, you know, they were kind of like the goth kids and my parents were scared for me, you know, so um, it definitely resonated that way for me. But that case, I mean, she was brutally beaten to death, possibly strangled and cut up and her body was placed in different parts in Blackhawk State Park, as well as a farm out in Alito that uh, Sarah Kolb's or Corey Gregory's family owned, I believe. And because of that, um, I mean, that case, oh, I had to cover it. It was one that like, we haven't touched on in a while. And it's like, what's going on with this? And I remember when I released that episode, it was crazy. Cause then I found out that both Corey and Sarah, the two people who were convicted in the crime, they are actually trying to get out. They're, they're working on an appeal process um, and using a law within the uh, US Supreme Court that says that they could try to get out sooner. And so Man. that, yeah, so it's like, oh. So, I mean, those are the two big ones. Um, and Jennifer Lewis, Stanley Liggins, everybody knows Stanley Liggins' name. Do you know Jennifer Lewis's name? And because of that, I was like, we got to touch on her, not just Stanley Liggins. And that case was crazy. And that dealt with a lot of racial issues here in the Quad Cities because a lot of people believe that, oh, he was only targeted because he was a black man. Um, you know, you touch on the fact that the family was poor. Um, it, it, it definitely, you know, hit a lot of areas really hard in our area. So it was one of those cases. And that's my most popular episode, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's like almost 20,000 downloads just on that episode. Wow. Alone. So, I mean, that was that case is so sad. But that conversation with Scott Reeder, he's a former Quad City Times reporter. He was there day one. Day one, they found her body. And he has followed that case for 30 years. And he actually wrote his own podcast with that. And he was very, very knowledgeable. He talked to jurors, he talked to witnesses, he talked to family, friends, the whole kit and caboodle. He actually talked to Stanley Liggins in jail. And you have to listen to the episode with Scott Reeder and how he describes sitting there across you know, a table, just like me and you are, and having Stanley Liggins just be cold and you know demented in some way it was very very frightening wow. to hear that side to it so yeah uh, it must be so fascinating just doing the research on all these cases because i'm sure you probably spent a lot of time because like sometimes these cases are decades old so mm -hmm. these are from way before the digital era mm -hmm. where now we have access you know you can pop in a little memory card and just view everything or yep. go onto a cloud server but you have you you you, you have to go through like old tapes from like old those, those the old big blocky tapes yep. that you can't even really play those except for like a few spots now yeah so with those like i have to do a lot of freedom of information act requests with those and uh one case it was from the 80s uh the butcher of galesburg uh i mean that case was 86 and foyering that i mean that was a 200 page FOIA request that I had to go and drive to get actually like they could not mail that to me wow. they, couldn't, they couldn't do that I had to go get it myself and read through everything that they could get me um, one of the cases I'm working on right now it's about a girl named Michelle Jensen uh, in the early 90s uh, she was shot on a rural county road in Scott County 
and um, there's potentially some gang members involved. And with that case, I FOIA'd for all these different transcripts and all these different, you know, all this information, and police don't even have it really anymore. What? Yeah. So, yeah. so, so, is it just gone? gone is lost? Yep. Wow. She's dead. They're in jail. Case is closed. There's no need to have it anymore. And especially because it's so old. And so that's some of the problems I've run into, like trying to do these stories. Um, one is the uh, James and Joyce Clint case. It's in Davenport. It was a very famous chiropractor here in the Quad Cities. And he possibly chopped up his wife and threw her body in the Mississippi. It was one of the first cases in the United States that used DNA testing to try to solve this case. And unfortunately with that one, because not only is the victim gone and the case is closed, like they did, you know, they did the trial, he went to jail and he already got out and he's dead now. Police don't have any records of that either. Wow. I mean, you'd think that. It's, it's, it's crazy. Like back in like the 80s or, you know, before the digital era, people could get away with so much stuff because there just was like no tra- no way to track it down. There's and all that well with with serial killers i think a lot of people are now starting to realize but what's not really known is is that back in the 70s 60s 70s and 80s counties cities states didn't talk to one another so like for instance ted bundy you know he started in washington state and then he Mm -hmm. went to oregon and he went city to county to state and nobody could track it nobody could follow him and where he was going and that's why he was able to get away with the things he was doing. And even when they started to catch up to him, he went to Colorado. And then when they caught up with him again, he went to Florida. Man. So you can't, you, and there's no communication there. There's no, there's no, oh, hey, I might have a serial killer on my hands, mm-hmm. you know? Because back in the 70s, especially, there was no term for serial killer. Mm-hmm. Wait, what? And the, for us, it's like, oh, serial killer, you know? BFF, you know, my man crush or whatever. Like, that's another topic. But because of that, though, we know that. We know this type of person and profile. But back in the 70s, no. And so that's why a lot of people was able to get away with those things. And if you look at other cases, like Son of Sam, he was out in um, the East Coast, New York. Mm -hmm. That era, for him, there was so much crime happening within the city. They didn't know. So, I mean, you're having shootings and stabbings and fires and this and that. And then all of a sudden, it's like, there might be a connection here. Yeah. But they had no clue until there was so many people already dead. Yeah. I mean, that's something Mm -hmm. that police ran into for a long, long time. Yeah, I know that there was a big case out out on the West Coast around that time in L.A. with the Night Stalker incidents Mm -hmm. and all that. With um, Ramirez. Yeah. Richard Ramirez. Same thing. Going city to city, county to county. Nobody can track him. And that's, and that's the, the bad part and the good part about our police and, and the detectives that work on these types of cases is, is that, you know, they have advanced their own work and there's so much good when it comes to this type, type of, you know, investigative stuff now with DNA and communication and, uh, you know, systems in place like missing persons reports and stuff like, but those weren't in place, some of them until like the 90s. So we've made advancements with these types of, you know, abilities to solve crimes, but unfortunately, those can also be negative. They can be used against people, and that's the sad part, is, is that we're still not able to be perfect in our crime system. 
but then again, nobody's perfect when it comes to this type of stuff. So, yeah, it's crazy. All right. So, so like, what kind of sparked your 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 interest in wanting to 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 to, to do this, to do the podcast, to, to do the crime series, and all that? So it was really funny. So last year, I knew twenty twenty was right around the corner, but. In 2019, it'd been 20 years since 1999. And so originally my plan was with the podcast was to focus just on 1999 and do different decades after Mm -hmm. that or different years that really transformed America. So like if you think about it, you know, 99, 92, 69, things like that. Um, Because in 99, obviously we had like the first mass shooting um, you had, you know, technology, the internet finally, you know, booming. You have all those huge, huge advancements right. with everything. And so that was my original idea. And unfortunately, when I started to write these episodes and research these episodes, I found out I don't have time to do this. It was really sad. Like, I really wanted to do that. But my work, my, my full-time job, you know, was really pulling me aside to that. So... I couldn't focus on what I wanted to do. And then what kind of lit a match in it, we were in a meeting, we were in a sales meeting, and they were sitting there talking about how to insert ads into our podcast, which if you've listened to podcasts and you have an ad in it, it's so annoying. But anyways. Gotta make money somehow. (laughs) Yeah, gotta make money somehow, exactly. But all of a sudden, while we're sitting there, Katrina Lomansky, she's on the other side of the table and I just look at her and I'm like, and it just hit me and, I t- and I'm texting her. I don't even say it. I text her and I go, crime podcast, can I do it? And that's what kind of kicked it off. And that weekend, I think that meeting was like on a Tuesday, but then like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the following, I wrote like eight episodes. I didn't move from my couch. I didn't do anything. I just wrote crime episodes. And so that was what really got it going. For me, what inspired it is not only the whole wanting to do it, but my thing is when we, when in the broadcasting world, some people don't like to follow crime as much as I do. And that really sucks. Um, but like, for instance, Chris Miner, our veteran reporter, you know, when she was working with us, she followed crime like almost exclusively. And she's a huge inspiration in my life. I cannot tell you how much of an inspiration she is for me. And for her, we both had that connection of, okay, we both lost family members in very traumatic ways. We understand the side of it. Uh, this is what you know inspired us to keep going with these stories. So with that, when after she left, it felt like us following crime became kind of not worthy of it and that really kind of just like hit hard for me like these there's families out there that still need answers there's families out there that still have questions or even just pain in general like they have the cases closed and there are people in jail for it but there are people that are still suffering from this and so why why i really wanted to go in depth with these cases is because number one we like i said only a 25 second script and number two not everybody is paying attention to the news all the time. So when you pay attention, then obviously you can follow along. But if you don't have like that full grasp of a case, 
then why should I care? It sounds really bad to say, but a lot of people are like, right. why should I care? So that's kind of where my inspiration to make these long form episodes and be able to use sound from our stories that we've done in the past and, and everything. Personally, for me, there's three stories that I really that really make me <laughs> almost crime obsessed. Mm -hmm. I've heard that through the grapevine about myself. I'm obsessed with crime. Um, but to understand me as a person is, is that, you know, my mother had her master's in psychology. Uh, she married my dad in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And if you know Milwaukee, you know Jeffrey Dahmer. This story is so morbid, but it's so funny. So when Jeffrey Dahmer, that happened right around the time that I was born. And when I was growing up, me and my sister, Trey Lee, when we would be driving to Michigan to go see my mother's side of the family, as we're driving along, there's one spot in upper Wisconsin where Jeffrey Dahmer was housed in prison. And every day, every time we would go up, because we used to go up like five, six times a year, Every time we pass the prison, hi, Jeffrey. Man's been dead for like, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten years. But hi, Jeffrey. My mother loves Stephen King. She loved crime. She, you know, same thing as me. So my mother is my biggest inspiration because of that. And then with that, with my family, because we are so weird, because we are the way we are, um, you know, that morbidness has never died for us. But because of that, when I lost my sister, like that's where the victim advocacy comes into play. I know what it feels like to lose somebody unexpectedly. I know what it feels like to lose somebody who means the world to me. And you're supposed to have a life with them forever. You know, it's like that, uh, like that unsaid bond of you're going to spend the rest of your life together. And so when she died of a heroin overdose at 18, and we had the investigation and we had people be arrested and we had to go through trials and everything else. I mean, that's what I, I know. I know all of that. I feel it every single day um, being in that spot. And when, so two of the people who were charged in my sister's death, they have since died in prison, but there's one that's now out. And so I know what that feels like as well. For somebody to get out of prison when you know they've taken a life, like that just, oh. And he's in the Quad Cities. He's in Davenport. What? Yeah. Oh, goodness. Yeah. He's actually staying at the halfway house in Davenport. So it's only about two blocks away from me. Oh, my gosh. So it's, it's not even that he's here. It's if I take a left turn instead of a right, there's a chance I could see him again. That's chilling. Yeah. Oh, man. And, but with that, though, there was some good that came out of losing my sister. It sounds really weird, but um, when I met my husband, my now husband, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a typical meeting. It wasn't a date. It wasn't anything like that. Um, we met at a bonfire, and we kind of hit it off a little bit. But then we go to a nearby bar, The Pace. <laughs> the pace in Macomb. Yeah, pace in Macomb. And uh, we were sitting in the parking lot. And instead of talking about our majors or our, you know, where we live, who's our family, whatever, here we are for like the first hour before the bar starts to charge to get in. And we're just talking about serial killers. 
and the mind of a psychopath and who's your favorite and you know why is this so fascinating I don't know this man's last name and I'm already <laughs> in love with him like wow and I've been with him ever since it's been almost eight years since that conversation and he still loves me so wow, wow. so you bonded over serial killers mm-hmm. out of all things wow serial killers Ted Bundy Jeffrey Dahmer John Wayne Gacy, the whole kit and caboodle. It was just, it was just love at first sight, love at first serial killer, hook wow. line and serial killer. <laughs> wow. wow, that that's 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 connection right there. I know that and, that is a connection. And I mean, I was bald. You know, this was nine months after I lost my sister, and I I was just I was still in it. You know, I was still mm-hmm. grieving. I was still having the like the worst time in the world. And I'm bald and I'm crazy. Like, I'm on anti-anxiety meds. I'm on antidepressants. I'm in therapy, like, three times a week. Like, and here I am, and I meet this guy. He doesn't have to do anything with me, you know? But him talking about serial killers and him still being with me to this day is still just... And he's the most supportive man with the, with this podcast because this takes hours for me to research, and I do it at home. I don't do it at work. And so for him to be that supportive of this is just it makes me swoon <laughs> wow so and your husband also he works at the correctional center near where i live in east moline yeah <laughs> so I'm, I'm sure that even adds an even another layer on top of it as well i'm sure it, it's weird because when it comes to the prison system i mean east moline correction is a minimum medium it's not just a minimum facility anymore and so to understand the prison system from a different perspective, it's definitely opened my eyes even more. And I try to be sympathetic to those who are in prison and who get out. And, you know, like in Iowa, they're trying to do the whole ban the box thing and get felons back to work and they can vote again and stuff. So I try to be sympathetic, but as a, you know, a family member of a victim of a crime that shouldn't have been committed, um, you know, I, I have to. I have this like devil's advocate for both, and it's it's definitely a struggle. But to understand my husband's perspective of it definitely has opened my eyes more so than ever before. So it's something that I don't think a lot of people would get, but it's it's interesting to me. Right. But how much time do you think you spend like researching for like any particular episode? I don't know that. I know they probably vary depending on each case, but mm-hmm. what do you think is like the, like the average time you spend? If I don't count in waiting for FOIA requests, because <clears throat> you know how long those can take sometimes. I mean, those can take a week, two weeks, three. Um, I mean, if I'm really into it, like 10 hours. And that's not just the research. It's research and writing. Because I like to do it where, okay, here's a piece. I'm going to go back to and put this in. Um, and be able to put it in an order that makes sense. I think the best episode that I did where, you know, that was a, was a real struggle was the Nicholas Sheely case, the spree killer from Illinois. Because every paper I saw, every, every article I read did not have it in chronological order. So I'm like, where, where was he and when was he and how was he? And because, I mean, he went to, he killed eight people, two different states, five different cities and it's like so where did he do this so i'm just stuck on my couch trying to piece this together and write this at the same time it took like eight ten hours because i could not figure it out at first as to what 
his path was for his crime spree. Other ones, if I, especially if I know it, so like with Adrian Reynolds, that one didn't take too long, maybe six, but I had to wait for my FOIA to come through with East Moline because they had the audio that I needed because officers interviewed Sarah Kolb on the phone. And so that's where I have some very special audio in that podcast oh, that wow. a lot of people haven't heard. So, yeah, her her essentially saying that, oh, I don't know Adrian Reynolds to, oh, we were friends, but we're not, to, oh, you know, she punched me in the face, but I punched her back. Like, wait, what? It was, it's the weirdest eight-minute phone mm-hmm. call in the world, and I wish I would have put it all in, but I don't think anybody's that interested, but I was, I was like, I was hooked on that audio, so... <laughs> So what's like been like the response that you've gotten from people who checked out your, your podcast? Like what's been like the reception? I, I mean, you, you say, I know you said that you've gotten you know, tens of thousands of streams mm-hmm. on just a single podcast, but what's been like, like the feedback? When people come up to me and they talk to me about it, they love it. Um, and everybody's like, I told, you know, my mom, sister, brother, friend, you know, I've told everybody, um, you know, I'm your top fan. I've heard that a lot recently, which just, freaks me out in all honesty. But um, so I get a lot of great reception when people actually tell me to my face. Uh, Online though, obviously the internet is a very cool and Mm -hmm. uh, evil place sometimes. And so while I've gotten some good feedback, uh, some of the other feedback I've gotten has not been as well received where some people can't stand the sound of my voice. It's like, okay, that's your opinion. Uh, I had one person say, I need to stop flipping papers around and like shuffling about. And I'm like, I don't have papers. I'm reading from my phone. I don't understand where you got that. Um, Some people want it more suspenseful. Some people want more sound. They want more music. They want more, you know, this and that. They want another person to come on the show with me. And Uh, One of the last ones I read was like, you need to talk about the victims more. And for me, I don't want to speak, you know, about the victims themselves as a human being. It's not my place. You know, it's like if you started to talk about my sister, you know, you you read this article, you read her Facebook page. Right. It's, It's not my place to do that. Exactly. And so for people to be like, you need to talk about the victims more, it's like... That's not my place to talk about these people and who they were and how they lived their life. And that's why I have the crime chat. If you're a friend or family, it doesn't matter if it's been weeks, months, years, decades. If you've been impacted by that, come talk to me. Because you probably have never met somebody like me who knows probably exactly what you're going through. Because I've lost friends, I've lost family, I've lost, you know, I've lost so many people in my life. So I know, and I'm not going to judge you for the things that you did while you were grieving. I'm not going to, you know, hold that against you as a human being. And so for me, it's like, come chat with me about who this person was in your life and how much you loved them and how much they impacted you before, during, and after all this. Because just because this happened. It doesn't matter if it's been, you know, weeks, days, months, years, or whatever. That's still that, you know, that that puts a, you know, a chunk of your heart away. And that that's going to make you who you are now. And you're supposed to be loved because of that, I feel like. 
So let's talk about that. You know, let's talk about that pain and that heartache and how that made you change into who you are today. Because honestly, 10 years ago, I'm not, I'm not that person. I'm not that person anymore. Uh, even, even five years ago, after losing my mother um, to a brain hemorrhage, I'm not that person anymore. I'm me now, and it took a lot of pain and heartache to get to who I am and to be where I'm at. Because in all honesty, never thought I'd be here in the first place, you know? <laughs> 15 years ago, if you would have told me you graduated high school, you got into college, not even graduated, you got into college, you graduated, you have a career, you have a husband and a house and a dog, and like, I would never, never have believed you. And because of everything I've gone through, I am who I am. But it took a lot of pain, mostly, <laughs> to get to where I'm at. And I mean, every, every family member or friend of a victim will tell you the exact same. I don't doubt that in my mind. Well, let's talk about uh, the future now. Oh, I love the let's, let's talk about what's the, what's the next step, what's, what's coming up. Oh gosh, so I think I'm working on like six different episodes at once. And I know me and you talked about it where it's like, take one at a time. And I'm just like, it's <laughs> so hard for me. Because I start to work on one and then like all of a sudden like mm -hmm. my foil will come in for another. And I'm just like, mm, let's go to this one. So like, for instance, I started working on an episode about John Looney. Um, he's a former gangster from back in the 1920s. Yeah, yep. He, so a lot of people, I never knew about John Looney. Jordan Franks from work. Mm -hmm. He was the one that's like, here's a book and here's all these articles. Like, read this. I'm like, we had a gangster here? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I'm like, it blew my mind. And he, I mean, he was before Al Capone and all the, uh, Bonnie and Clyde, all that crazy. So I started working on that one. And then I FOIA'd, earlier this week, I FOIA'd for the case about Michelle Jensen, um, who I talked about earlier, and I just got one of those back, and so I'm like, I'm reading this transcript from the interrogation, and I'm just like, I gotta write this one. And then on Friday, I had a conversation with Captain Quinn Reese from Muscatine County Sheriff about the Annette Cahill case, and I'm like, I'm gonna write this one, and so I have like, pieces of the puzzles starting to go for a bunch of different episodes um but yeah john looney annette cahill that was the cold case that was solved recently and she now just got sentenced to 50 years in prison which oh, leading mm -hmm. up to that i didn't know a lot of the details even from our own reporting i didn't know so talking to captain reese like really got me like that spark back in me i'm like i gotta write episodes um michelle jensen reading that transcript i mean He's the, one of the six people that was involved in that case. I mean, he's sitting there and it's like, I'm not a rat. I don't want to be a snitch. And it's like, dude, you shot a girl in the head. Like, <laughs> and you're still going on and on about the details. You're kind mm -hmm. of a snitch. <laughs> right. Um, so, I mean, reading that, it's like, oh, got to write that one. Um, we got an email a few weeks ago for another case that I've already done. It was an officer who was one of the first on the scene for the butcher of Galesburg. Uh, he chopped up his wife and buried her body in their basement and in their backyard. And so this officer was one of the first to discover this case. And um, the he wants to actually talk to me. And so I'm like, ooh, crime chat. And he's nice. like, 
and his daughter was the one that reached out and said he'll probably have other unsolved cases for you and so i'm like i'm trying to get in touch with him but my shift is so hard to make that phone call like even talking to captain reese i mean that was a phone call like three weeks in the making because it's been so hard to stop and call him real quick and say hey let's talk about a case that's 40 years old man so, <laughs> yeah i got a lot that i'm working on but i mean they're coming together um i'm working with eleanor tabone from our station on another case um, she's getting all brand new sound for this one case that i never heard about it's from like the kiwani area and so it, hers is going to be this like huge piece and that's why some of those older tapes the ones that we'd have to go to ambrose to watch i mean they're under my desk right now and i'm just waiting to go pull that sound and then she'll have new sound and it'll be an episode that probably is going to be one of my most unforgettable i'm so excited to piece that together wow so excited and i got the so dvc pro tapes for people that don't know they're the older tapes that were used for all the video cameras um, back in the day yeah. for photographers and the only way to watch those and to be able to get them into our internet system is in the back of our building almost <laughs> and it's very difficult to you know get the in and out on that and everything and so with that i have i think six or seven tapes in my drawer right now that i've been planning on watching and then yeah i got those big big tapes that we need to go to ambrose to be able to pull those and andy was actually telling me our boss was telling us that there might be a chance that audio might be not good and i'm just like let's go do it <laughs> help me <laughs> i wish i was smarter with that technology but i'll get there it's a lot but i'll get there <laughs> well definitely appreciate all the hard work that you've been putting in on the, on this podcast i mean you have a great following already so keep up the great work there for anyone else out there who's looking to get into, you know, immerse themselves, per se, um, in the podcast world, the crime chat world, what are some tips that you would have for them? I'd say that you, for, for crime podcasts, I mean, you got to find the good ones. And while, yes, there's a ton of them. Um, a lot of the TV stations, just like ours, I mean, they're doing just great, great work. Um, there are a lot of podcast episodes out there right now that um, are solely focused on one case. Uh, but I definitely go for the, uh, the ones that cover multiple cases. And I'm morbid, so like I like the ones that can kind of make a humorous side to it. Mine's not humorous because obviously there are family and friends and people that know these cases. So I can't be humorous, but like, so my shirt, Hail Yourself, um, that comes from last podcast on the left, they're one of the best. And they have a whole team of researchers and they have fact checkers and then they have the three of them. And they, I mean, their episodes are like an hour, hour and a half long. So some of those are, you know, well <laughs> versed and well, you know, planned and everything else. Um, but then there's others, you know, that just me. And so I think that, you know, you got to kind of find your, your niche, what you like. Um, some people don't like last podcast because they make it funny. Other people like it, you know, more serious. So it's one of those kind of touch and go. You got to find your, find what you like. But if you like crime in general, um, in regards to this, you know, the psych on it, 
Um, I mean, all of those documentaries that are out there now, even the Ted Bundy ones, well, they definitely miss the mark on what happened to those victims on both the extremely wicked one with Zac Efron and the Ted Bundy tapes. There was two that got released almost simultaneously. Um, you know, they didn't touch really on what he did, unfortunately. Um, but you kind of get a better understanding of who these people were and what they did and, you know, their mindset. And so definitely get into, you know, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, YouTube. Oh, God, there's so many different streaming source, you know, sources that have all these docuseries and documentaries that will definitely open your eyes to not only the psych of it, but then also that investigative work that, I mean, our police departments, you know, do on the daily. And so definitely, you know, branch out and watch those too. Um, my podcast also with that, I have started a book club, kind of. Book club, really? Talk about this. So it's the Bloody Good Book Club. Yes, the buddy, Bloody Good Book Club. Me me and Hannah, who helps me with my Rodriguez. web stuff. Yes, Hannah Rodriguez. She does all my web stuff. She tries to help me with my web stuff. And then Elise Edens, she helps edit all my pieces together. Um, the three of us were chatting about just all this different crime stuff. And so she and I were talking about, oh, this documentary is really good. Oh, this book is absolutely fantastic. And we came up with my book club. It's not just about books, um, but... I, so on my web scripts, so on my WQAD.com, my little tab for Missing and Murdered, um, one of the last episodes, I, um, I put my, all my recommendations for books and movies and, and docu-series and, and everything else. And so you can follow along with that and be able to, you know, find those good stuff and find the good stuff because I watch and read everything I can get my hands on. So about new serial killers, about all that stuff. So... If you want to follow along with that, definitely keep reading my, my web scripts. And I've been meaning to make either an Instagram or something. That would be awesome. About this. I know that we have our WQAD podcast Facebook page. So I post on there too. Um, but I've been meaning to do some sort of other social media for just my podcast. But I haven't gotten there yet. I mean, I had to come to you to talk about my podcast because um, right. I don't talk about myself very much. I don't like to very much. So to be able to find that social media right. is like, I don't know. Right. And I'm 27, so I can't do all the new hip stuff. Right. <laughs> so how can people find the podcast? So, I mean, yeah, Spotify has it, uh, Apple Podcasts, our website, um, and then there's a couple other spots that, so we publish on Art19, so you can listen on there. Um, but that uh, that also then goes to our website. So I think it goes to a, a couple other sources, but not like SoundCloud or anything. And with us switching websites soon, we'll be doing a new streaming service soon. So Art19 is going away for us. So I'm not sure where also, you know, we're gonna be branching out to, but. And there might be a chance I might be making a YouTube page for all my episodes as well. Wow. So that that would be another place that people can listen to. But uh, that's a little bit down the line still. So right. I'm getting there. Right. So you got a lot of things cooking in the oven. I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm excited to see where this goes. I'm liking, I'm liking what you're doing. So keep it up. You too. You're doing a great job.
Thank you. Thank you, Toria. (laughs) And everyone at home, thank you for listening to this, this episode of 100 Series Everyday Awesome Podcast. Stay tuned. Keep subscribing to the, the podcast so you know when the latest episodes are going to drop. Usually it's going to be on every Friday, although I might be feeling generous. It might drop maybe two episodes in a week. So, you know, you're only going to know if you subscribe. So thank you all. And as always, I'll see you soon.